0: Is this a slight idea? Or does it go down a bit? Right, okay, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. now just turn it around. That's it. Yeah, that's fine. Oops. Yeah, that will do. That do. Yeah, very good. Okay, Bismillahman al-Rahman al-Rahim. Alhamdulillahirobbilalamin. Allahumma c'alli wa sallim. Mubarak lana bina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sabbihij. Ajma'in. Allahumma sahla illa ma j'altau sahla wa anta tajul al-hazna idha sh'al sahla. Allahumma a'innala dikkrika wa shukrika wa hisna ibadatik. Ya Rabbi al-Karim. Assalamu alaikum. Ahmatsullahi. Barakatuh. My Dearest brothers and sisters, MashaAllah Awesome to see all these folks, MashaAllah Sa'adiya not letting anybody down Bringing enough, yani diabetes for the whole My, oh my God, God, woman <laughs> <laughs> This look, look at this, it's bigger than my whole flipping Allah <laughs> nak custom woman
1: Yeah, do you know
0: what I mean? Taymor letting the side down since God knows when Alright, but MashaAllah, so many folks here <laughs> What we do with this, Lala? I hope you got knives and uh, plates. Yeah, he's got knives uh, and Surah's Okay, got okay. Uh, Surah's always got knives. You've got the knives, yeah, I know, buddy. Yeah, you got the knives and the eyes knives. <laughs> yeah, everybody. yeah. Maaf <laughs> Karna. Right. Uh, good to see everybody here, masha'Allah, old and new. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you for coming out this cold night. Although, frankly, it's cold everywhere. Although not as cold as uh, up north, but uh, nice uh, sun. I mean, to be honest, when it's cold and it's dry, it's a blessing. It's when a little bit of little bit of rain, little bit of wind, then it's, then it's horrible. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. long time uh, for me to be back in London. So um, I'm back here with the, the brothers and sisters at Finchley. First of all, genuinely from the bottom of my heart, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward the people who are in charge of the masjid. To move the salah, the jama'ah, is no joke. Um, and uh, to do that with the people not causing a riot is a miracle. Alhamdulillah that they did that and uh, I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward every single person that waited that wouldn't have known and came at seven and waited every mo- uh, moment for that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept that from them as if they were in prayer and um, uh, the organization everything I bought all my own stuff and then I realized that they've got absolutely everything here like everything <laughs> Masha'Allah. so what I thought I'd do is that obviously for those folks that have never taken logical progression before um, Logical Progression is our weekly class on Fiqh and it keeps on going um, wherever we are as long as every week it will keep happening Uh, and today's subject will continue as well today's subject is specifically the different types of Imam and some of the restrictions on who can lead the Salah and some of the problems that they might have for example Um, And whether it's acceptable to pray behind them And I will uh, uh, Carry on with that As per normal And I do try to resist the temptation not to change that However, when we are on the road And this is called a logical logical progression road show Meaning that we're not at home destination Then we will take the opportunity To speak about something in a more general sense as well And I asked some of the uh, Some of the brothers and sisters From the uh, organizing uh, folks, what they thought was a good kind of, um, what they thought is important that should be reminded about, an issue that they should be reminded about. Now, we will have an open session for questions and answers and your comments on something which is concerning you uh, at the end, that's, that's part and parcel of the Roadshow as well. But specifically, I thought that I'd speak about a combining between a few subjects that are relevant at the moment to try to get some clarity on an approach. It's topical because um, uh, people were asking about LGBTQ, which is obviously a big stress upon everyone's head, right? The youth, um, identity, and things like that. And of course, what's interesting is that these subjects have become quite relevant with the World Cup. So I thought also that because there's also some folks that are not comfortable with uh, the level of importance and the level of happiness actually that muslims show uh, at sporting events and the like so i think that it'd be a good opportunity to combine all of this to remind myself and to remind everybody else as well actually what where does islam and the sharia stand on these matters and how can we after understanding an orthodox position on sport entertainment on countries on conditions on what we sign up for in terms of human rights and blah blah how then that plays an impact or has a, a role to play on the problems that we spoke about Like identity, the youth, LGBTQ And all that was right? So, um, first of all What I want to say is that On the World Cup itself Just to make sure that we uh, Don't leave anything out lazily Everything and anything that the Muslims Are involved with does require Signing off from the Sharia And um, obviously Our deen is split into Essentially two halves That which is involving the creation and in a more relaxed sense not having a religious aspect to it, and then that which is actually religious, that which is ibadat. And ibadat itself can be mainly divided into two halves: that which is to do with transactions, and that which is to do with ritual worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the kind of things that we get up to in our lifetimes, in our worldly life, as long as it doesn't have a religious connotation in general, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made permissible. Um, of course. When something in general is permissible, it becomes impermissible if it has haram aspects. Now, football and entertainment um, is too big and diverse an area to be able to just give a blanket kind of everything is halal. But in principle, it's halal. All entertainment is halal as long as. And then you start listing the things. As it doesn't do, doesn't have something which is haram, or you have to do something which is haram, or it's not dominated by haram and the like. And once you stay safe of these kind of things, like for example, a football at the time of salah right now depending upon nafiq is going to be important so in this class for example we've been covering the ruling on the now it is a very very strong opinion that it is obligatory to pray the salah in jama'ah it is certainly the humble opinion and it's certainly the opinion of a number of contemporary scholars and the evidence for it is overwhelming the majority position of the scholars is that it is a recommended sunnah a highly recommended sunnah to pray the in jama'a, okay, and that kind of um, uh, opinion has become dominant amongst the Muslims. Now, what is problematic is when a person doesn't convince themselves of what the correct opinion is, but then utilizes opinions that fit with their with his her his or her desires, right? And a classic example would be someone who would always be going to the jama'a, but then yesterday because of The Morocco game, for example, uh, decided not to go to the uh, jama'ah because it's right at the key moment. Now, it'd be just easy just to throw away and say, listen, this is haram because a person didn't go to the masjid. Now, the irony, of course, is that fiqh always adds more detail and complexity to the issue. Like, for example, depending upon the mosque that you're in, nobody's jama'ah was affected, right? In terms of certainly the Isha' jama'ah. But uh, was it during Maghrib it started? yeah okay so maghrib was uh, was on time right maghrib was was uh, for the uk anyway i know that we have folks from all over the place but from a uk point of view the Jamaah was in play not only was the Jamaah in play but it was maghrib which has a restricted time now people who get too legal about these things or try to use the deen in a play sense will then say when their normal day-to-day life is that they pray within 10 to 15 minutes you know that general understanding that maghrib has a short period of time and I don't want to delay it actually it is a position of all the scholars i don't know of any exception legally speaking that a maghrib prayer is legally valid technically until isha prayer right now if a person has never practiced that in their entire life but suddenly now became a legal technical scholar and started delaying that prayer until their isha time we're starting to find a problem here it's not the problem that you've automatically fallen into haram it's the problem of your spiritual state where you have turned something which is essentially permissible and fun and interesting and even exciting which is a muslim team openly muslim promoting islamic kind of ideas and concepts you know, for what we're seeing right here ignore the rest of their lives ignore the rest of their deficiencies but at this moment it's a big thing and putting that above and beyond our kind of like um, ex- existing important values and that's why when you are involved in this debate with scholars or other groups or whatever that might want to say this is haram or the foot the, the sport is haram or the watching is haram we shouldn't be responding in a way where we're dismissive actually in fiqh debates never is one side completely on the wrong there's always some kind of there's always some kind of point there to be uh, discussed and there has to be it has to be addressed now uh if a person's normative habit is one thing, and they change it for something else, and it will never affect them. They're actually just using a legal kind of uh, uh, concession, let's call it, for that night and that night only, and then they're back to normal, whatever. Then you wouldn't, you know, have a major problem with it. The problem occurs when a person starts to have a habit where every time sport is on, or entertainment, or friends, or some kind of situation where they want to kind of socially relax, they are looking for these kind of loopholes, or they're looking for these kind of extensions. So it's not necessarily always just a haram, halal issue. It's about what is the state of the heart, okay? For example, when they win, the happiness, okay? Now, the level of happiness that you uh, uh, exude is also something from emotions, which is not something you can control, right? It comes naturally, and you are not to blame for the actions of the heart in terms of inside. But when it comes out, okay, the way that you suppress anger and sadness and happiness is something you're accountable for so the actions of the heart remain and we have some very interesting hadith that speak about even bad feelings that we may have and the angels hesitating to write it down in the bad deeds until it's actually done so i want you to imagine that concept i want you to imagine the concept of jealousy for example i want you to imagine you know things that you don't you're not proud of you, they're in the heart but they don't manifest themselves you fight against it and you don't act upon the jealousy or the anger or the, uh, the 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 difficult sadness that th- doesn't make you say something out of impatience like the lady said to the prophet sallam, from the outside looking okay but then what do you know what have you understood S- saying that to the prophet sallam, at the death of her son and then letting that come out here that's what she gets caught up for at that moment anger suppression whatever inside was not being held accountable for so there is a level of accountability of what comes out and if you've got people who are absolutely losing their minds over a football match whatever it means it doesn't matter how great the goal scorer was and his history and how symbolic it might be from colonial colonialist and whatever or just muslim honor and arab and african honor and and the rest of it okay we've just got to ask ourselves not the halal and haram question but do we get that happy at the news of the ummah do we get that sad at the news of the ummah and does that happiness that's just occurred prevent us in any way showing that kind of level of emotion at a time when it's needed to be and that's the point that we need to reflect upon it's about honor it's about having self-respect and self-honor not about being happy of course you should be happy why not Yaani, this deen subhanallah if you uh and that's why it, it is it has always been surprising to me the scholars that tried to stand by the opinion that football is haram for the classic reasons normally they said that because um uh the haram which is associated with it or the response to that is that you don't have to have haram associated with it if something haram appears on the screen then it's like the street if you weren't intentionally looking for uh, for the haram but looking for the halal and then something haram occurs on the screen you lower your eyes this is the same ruling as the street this is the the same to do with the gambling which is involved if the if uh uh, the, the the team is sponsored by gambling Uh, And betting uh, syndicates and institutions, then it's your job to basically make sure you tell your children this. You see the name of this. uh, uh shirt uh, sponsor this is what they do this is how they take people down educate them make sure you don't get pulled in and you ignore who, who they're sponsored by the gambling which is involved in football which is also haram of course because they have to pay a fee to be part of a league or a tournament and then they win money as well so it's money for money not in a transaction but in a gambling transaction despite the level of skill not our problem that's what that's what uh, associations institutions play we're focusing on just the skill, the entertainment of the sport itself. So haram is like every other haram. Walking past the street, seeing a woman, seeing gambling, seeing X, seeing Y. Whatever state of haramness that situation is in, you've got to deal with it. So that argument has always been a weak one. The other uh, argument they said against football is that it wastes time. Tell me who isn't wasting time. Yani why is there a book written on uh, football, which there is, okay, by a very respectable scholar actually, and not against mobile phones, and not against WhatsApp? and not against Instagram. Are you kidding me? Football, yani now, the, the, football is the thing that you've identified as the haram thing? What about just Netflix? What about yani, YouTube and the way that people justify its permissibility by watching one lecture a week and the rest is all some gand and truck that they're watching day and night the other times, right? So, um, it is very important that when you are about to put a legal argument forward that you understand what that legal argument is going to entail. When you're about to make haram the concept of doing something that wastes time well then the whole ummah is going to be in a lot of trouble that doesn't mean we accept it but to use and that we shouldn't advise people against it but then to use it as a legal argument is dangerous right is dangerous and likewise the idea of extremes happiness and so on and so forth and people feeling depressed and then being made happy by sport well that's what it is it's entertainment and entertainment outside of normative life is permissible and to make people happy when they're down is something which is permissible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does that with telling the believers about the Romans, right? In Surah Room, giving them that news when they couldn't expect it, when they were down as a result, thinking of their real enemies as well, the Persians as well. Yani, this is something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala practices. The Prophet also calming the believers when they came to him and they were depressed as well. They were saying, Ya Rasulullah, when we're with you, we're right up here. When we're down then with the family, it's like and it's, it's, we're so far away from the deen and whatever, we feel like munafiqeen. And, and then the Prophet ﷺ said, Sa'a wa sa'a. Yani, this is a moment of seriousness. This is a moment of chilling. This is a moment of, uh, yani, uh, getting down to it. And this is a moment of expressing that uh, happiness and whatever non-act- non-action kind of thing that you're doing at that time. So, to put, first of all, we should say that sporting events, sport itself, you stay away from the individual haram, and enjoy that which is beneficial and don't and in the and, and in today's time and in today's time you don't need to fall into the area of doubts of jamaah and prayer and whatever i tell folks this all the time um that uh, for those who are of my uh, age group 1999 was the year that manchester united won the champions league and not just won the champions league won it in the craziest way fashion possible losing Gani the game and then in the last one minute or one and a half minutes, scored two goals to win 2-1. Imagine that. So you're losing the whole game, right? Well, it, it, it was close, and then they, they scored, and then the, the whole thing is over. And in the last two minutes, they they, uh, uh, they 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 win. So this was in May 1999. I was uh, uh, in Manchester at that time. I remember watching the game. It was in May, which is summer. Maghrib is like 9.30-odd, right? This is an 8 o'clock kickoff. So we're towards, right towards the end of the game. There's like 80 minutes or so gone And our action of our general practice was to go and pray in the the masjid Now I'm not going to lie It was a lot easier seeing Manchester United losing That helped me make the decision to go to salah So me and my man we got up and we just said we'll sack this We'll go for salah, enjoy the prayer, relax and chill So we go for maghrib Knock out maghrib nice and relaxed, pray sunnah all easy, chill Not a clue in the world, remember Mobile phones and all that kind of thing wasn't the speed of whatever at that time, 99, it was dark days. So we come back, people were Fergie running on the pitch, everyone yani, going mental. We can't we're all confused at what's going on. All of the action basically happened only yani, at the Maghrib Jama'ah. We missed the most historic moment in British football club history. Yeah. In those fateful 10 minutes. Obviously, we, we said to ourselves, Alhamdulillah Iman is so high, Yani, as a result. We tried to pretend, tried to pretend we weren't depressed out of our brains, right? And, you know, this is what it was. Now, the reason I tell you this story is that, uh, obviously, this class happens every Wednesday night, okay? And Wednesday night is Champions League night. Now, obviously, that hasn't concerned Manchester United for the last year and a decade. <laughs> 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 but, but when this class started, okay, Manchester United were a Champions League team, all right? So, um, we were like, no, listen, the class has got to be taught and, you know, if we catch highlights later and so on and so forth, meaning that... that back in those days where there was no way to see highlights where there was no pause button or anything like that it was a it was a test you know you need to have minerals basically and say you know what i'm going to give this up for the sake of allah and i'm going to go what test is anybody doing today so yesterday uh, 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 extra time uh, was uh, thingy extra time was um uh, playing and came to the uh, coming to the end and where i was staying the jama'ah was starting in five minutes right Crazy, by the way, yeah, early Jamaah, but like 5.30-something or 5.40 or something like that. So what did I do? What iman did I have to think? I pressed pause on, the, <laughs> on the, 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 the thingy. I was on a group chat with some of the, the, the prophetic guidance lads who were, you know, threatening to ruin everything. We were just going to keep... Because we were doing all the commentary, you know, between us. Like you do, like lads do. And I was like, you're not getting me. So I turned my phone off completely. Turned my phone off, left it there where I was, and I walked to the Salah. And I prayed and relaxed, whatever, no no problem. Come back, couldn't care less about the phone. What happens if I I didn't die in half an hour? Nobody else died. And if they died, good luck to them, right? And then I turned on the pause button, uh, off the pause button, press play. Saw the greatest independent shooter ever. We had our fun, had our little jig and little dance, and that's it. Turned on the phone. They all, yeah, trying to ruin everything for me. They didn't ruin nothing for me. And you know, prayer got done, enjoyed the football, I'm happy as Larry, I love football, I didn't miss out on anything. So it's not even a test anymore. Meaning that it's not even, Yanni, some kind of great Islamic requirement to be normal and enjoy football and be what you should be, Yanni, with respect to your deen. So I just want you to know that I will never be a killjoy. I know where I came from. I know my background. And I know why people, uh, what people see, as attractive in our uh, deen and how important it is to make things easy for people and how much the prophet ﷺ emphasized this how many times he said Bashiru wa la right and yes make things easy don't make things difficult give you know make things easy make good give good news don't push people away and so that part is important now i want to link this to the world cup and what's been happening The first lesson you should be thinking about is not worried about Qatar spending billions and trillions because they'll be spending that Bakwas on Harrods if they weren't spending it on the football. Good, yeah, that they went and done something at least for the world rather than their kids that they send in their stupid cars, up and down in London, yeah? So let them spend another trillion. I was delighted by that, actually, right? So that's the first thing. Get over that and overspending. They're going to waste it anyway. Just think of it like that. They've got lots of gas, yeah, whatever. They're charging us 26,000 times the price anyway. So let them spend it on that. Number one, number two. <laughs> number two. There's absolutely no doubt that putting on something with even minimal Islamic values, and that's what has been on display. Minimal people loading it up like it's been that the khilafah has come back, right? <laughs> no, the khilafah hasn't come back. They stopped alcohol in the stadiums. Okay, thank you very much. Like, like as we say in our language, turadukla, meaning like, yani, I mean, you did such a such a great favor for us that you stopped selling alcohol in the, But anyway, we take it. It had an impact. People realized the value of it. Uh, women, men, kids, whatever, whatnot, they realized it is safe and it's fun and whatever. So that was a positive thing. And yes, yeah, some guy read Quran and whatever. People lost their minds over it, right? And uh, there's some, uh, they got Zakir Naik to go and stand there and probably quote some numbers, whatever, you know. And, you know, he looked probably good and I don't know, he must have given that to someone. They put a few posters up. There was no negatives to come out of it, right? The Muslim com- uh, countries put Palestine left, right, and center everywhere right it's no bad thing okay so i mean what we should we should really want is a proper political move to see yani what they do to the ambassadors and the deals that they do but that's me then being too cynical so i'll put that aside i'll shut up and i'll say thank you for flying a flag for a second okay the point is is that it wasn't the worst thing in the world what they were doing the lessons though i think are very very important the lessons are essential for Muslims and their identity in this country, especially those that are asking about LGBTQ, right, and all that, the fact that the Qataris didn't back down was not because their thing; it's because their population would never accept their rulers doing that. Okay, it wasn't because of some great connection to the deen. and that's good that their people are have their their values, and that's what they that's their culture. As you saw, so many of the uh, uh, visiting fans say, "Listen." If that's what they do, that's, their, that's what they do. That's their culture, and if they don't want to allow it in, do they want to allow this, you know, rainbow of and whatever, whatnot, then it is what it is, okay? But the one thing that was learned by Muslims and, and non-Muslims is that they were under immense pressure because we put them under that pressure. We didn't show their ceremony. We cussed them every second that we could, blah, blah, blah. And they stuck to their rule of not uh, whatever they stuck to. I, I, I don't even know, actually what they didn't do for homosexuals that they wanted to do or the world wanted them to do. That in itself is a joke. Actually, when you dig deeper, the idea that, uh, like, uh, you know what? Honestly, and I'm not even saying this for rhetorical purposes. I actually have no idea what the rules in Qatar are for homosexuality, like the detailed rules, whether uh, it's banned or, or, you know, all I remember the headlines is that it's dangerous for homosexuals in Qatar. Now, I don't know if this is right, but I don't know anybody who's been in danger as a homosexual in Qatar. I don't know anybody who's died as a homosexual in Qatar. And I know that the countries that claim it, they've got daily homosexual death rates that they, they account for. Daily. And the irony of all ironies is that they went big on the news channels that, you know, homosexual are faring for their life in Qatar on a day that some guy random walks into a gay club and shoots five young gays. Bro, you want to look at your death rates and how dangerous Yanni is for gays in your country before you start speaking about random Arab country that doesn't know what a bloody gay is, right? So, what was interesting is that they're seeing people not willing to sugarcoat and just say, for the sake of things, you know, the right things that we maybe say here because we do understand and you should understand, right? That. There is something called political expediency. There is something to say for pragmatism for Muslims who are in leadership positions and politics to say the right thing. And it is the right thing that we're not here to kill or to attack homosexuals because we don't agree with it. They are protected, and what protects them as a minority, whatever we think of the deviancy and the X, Y, Z, is also what protects other minorities as well. And we're not going to be hypocrites and say we don't benefit from the same type of value system that allows. And that's it. But then also they should not get involved in another country that's not claiming to be a value protection system if the country is not claiming to be the liberty capital of the world so then what's your problem you are claiming it america is claiming it so at least live to your own claims and your own standards they're not claiming it they're not wanting to claim it they say this is what we believe this is what our values are and that's it now what's the benefit of this for us that in our current time, when you see the problems in the Muslim community, right? Then we, and it is an increasing problem in the Muslim community. Uh, A question for you guys, what do you think the rate is at the moment um, in the population of uh, uh, homosexuality, um, bisexual, X, Y, Z, don't know who I am. I don't know whether I'm a human or a man or a woman or a penguin. this yeah belief what do you think the percentage is based upon you know the uh numbers of the la- of the last census no no just general population what do you think 20 percent ras bro are you mental
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: one every five person is a dodgy one
1: <laughs>
0: one every five is bent uh, bro that's that's madness what are you talking about us. I know things are bad, bro, but you don't need to go in. <laughs> including the hidden ones. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bhaji
0: Suraya <laughs> Baj- threw the knives like this. <laughs> Listen. Less than 5% Rush saying, 2% is it's 1%. What do you think? 3.1%. 3. 3.1% 3. is openly people who are admitting... X, Y, Z, that number goes to 9% when it is, I don't know, right? Like, and on a serious point, that's not including the people who are not willing to say it, not trusting the census, not, you know, thinking that if I say it here, maybe so, not coming out, because you might say, what's coming out on a piece of paper? But nobody trusts these completely. So let's say 10%. 10% are not sure about that. If you, alaykum alaykum, if you don't think that that number is affecting the Muslim community as well, you've lost your mind. So one in ten people in this country are not sure about their identity. You've got to ask yourself, how did that number increase so, mu- so massively, right? When the, the previous one in 2011 or whatever was like nowhere near that. Now if you look at Muslims, for example, back in 2011, how many do you think we were? One or two percent? What are we now? 36 3.6%? 8 million, million. How much money? 3.86 million. 3.86 million. Uh, people. Yeah. So a percentage which is 3.86 million Muslims, you're having a laugh. That's 3.86 million that are obvious. What about all the illegals? What about those in the, under the floorboards and in the lofts? There's at least 5 million Muslims in this country. 100%. Anyone who thinks there's less than 5 million Muslims in this country has lost their mind. They haven't been to Blackburn, Bradford, you haven't seen anything. There's easily 5 million Muslims, bro. Five, easily. So if you think our percentage has doubled, like significant, but you can trace why it's doubled. Muslims, mashaAllah, breeding like rabbits, not having to pay for the kids like in America and like Saudi Arabia where you have to pay for maternity fees. UK, not only free, you get paid for it as well. Sick. So kids out of the roof. And then obviously all the immigration, refugees, blah, blah, blah. You can trace it. When you look at, uh, the increase in rate of, of, of LGBTQ behavior. I don't know what I am. I don't know whether I'm a bird, I'm a penguin, I'm a human, I'm a, I'm a girl or a boy, I'm something in between. Where do you think that comes from? It comes from ideology. It doesn't come from pre- reproduction. That doesn't come from Yani you know, refugees or whatever. It comes from values. It comes from education. And what's happened, of course, is that society in wanting to promote Under whether they consider that to be protection of that minority or whether promoting that lifestyle because they see benefits Or whether simply because the lobby is too powerful It doesn't matter because the muslims would do the same if we knew how to be able to increase our numbers that way Regardless What has become What has become the reality is the normalization of you being whoever you want to be That you have the right To explore to think that there is no controls in the issue that there are no restrictions in the issue in the system you have the right and this of course is the bedrock of secularism and liberalism and humanism all about me myself and i me myself and i i am the supreme one i am the one in ownership of my intellect and so i say what goes and then once you've accepted that as a basic principle then anybody that that comes and puts something forward where you know that there are no restrictions in the system then it's about how nice they are, how much money they put into the game, what yani worldly things that they are able to use, whether persuasiveness, neurolinguistic pr- programming, whatever tactics it is, whether it's uh, g- g- going for the, 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 the fashion houses, for example, or going for the mover shakers, for example. So getting the right places, right times, the right brands to slowly then start to disseminate in a society that's ready to accept it because there are no clear rules, roles, gender boundaries these the absence of these values and everyone being allowed to do what they want is what has led to that increase and this is a good point now the the world cup to remind us that if you do not stand for what you believe in if you do not put your 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 foot down and establish your boundaries and stick to them and not have any problem about others and saying x y and z for you you will be washed away you will be washed away and it doesn't matter you will the west the west -West will be what the west -West will be that ah you know what it is it's only a tournament or it's only once let's just let it go we know what we believe and look look how much stress it will uh, take off us and you know qatar could have done that right i'm just using them as an example do you honestly think they were stopped yani, If they had allowed everything to happen like that? Do you honestly think that the world gives a monkeys About whether they support gays or not gays Or homosexuals or one love or rainbows Or whatever whatnot Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us In definitive terms That they will never ever ever leave you alone They will never ever be your friend They will never ever be with you Until you follow them In their religion. And the word for religion here is bigger than the word deen. Yani, milla is used by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the word milla indicates, not definitively, but it indicates that it's more than just secular worship, more than just ritualistic worship, but the taqaleed, the adab, the, the bits and pieces, the way that you present yourself, the need, for example, to go and get bladdered basically when you're feeling. Any kind of stress or you're tired or whatever Drink yourself to whatever To give money to other certain areas To have a culture that fits with them Not just the worship of what they worship What do the the, the Yehud and the Nasara today worship anyway? It's not the worship It's their entire culture And it's so important for you to realize That they will never, ever, ever stop Until you are entirely assimilated Now, we've been hearing this for years And... There was a period in the 90s where this is all you would hear and then there was a backlash to this kind of approach this was like seen as the extremist kind of da'wah this was seen as the conservative type of da'wah and the movements that had this kind of uh uh, uh how can i say this kind of um, mm, like uh, presence and expression they were put to the side and the whether you want to call them extreme sufis extreme salafis whether you want to call them whatever those people that got the reputation for being so, so strict on these kind of issues. The real question you have to ask yourself is, do we warn and move against movements that have these identity factors because of personal reasons and social reasons? Or is it because they are actually saying truths at times that we should actually consider? Like right now, I was having a chat just earlier on, that some of these movements are now starting to regain their followers starting to regain strength. Extreme movements. Movements that we would consider to be off the sunnah. Movements that we would not support in any kind of normative way. And in discussion for some of the reasons why, it's because they are uncompromising on these aspects. Their particular sub-communities, as part of our Muslim communities, are not having the gay problems, LGBT, or other kind of, uh, whatever the issues that you want to think of. There has to be a stand that's got to be put up. When it comes to us right now, it is very fashionable and very much the easier option to not get involved in our kids' decisions, in in their phone usage, in their friend circles. It's just easier just to say it's a Muslim school, they'll be okay. I went to that same place and I came out all right. It's just easier to say that, you know, I turned out okay, so these folks will as well. This is just easy liberal thinking. And if you do not. Flip the script in your head And consider to yourselves That you know what I'm under such a level of attack And these kids are under a bigger attack And I have to think of it as war every day Every single day it's a war And so there has to be strategy There has to be planning There has to be the expecting of an attack every day But the war is ideological The war is a war of ideas The war is not a physical one Nobody is taking your kids and killing them right? This is an ideological one Which is worth worse than death this is the one where the love of dunya is settling in, where hisbiyah and partisanship is starting to cause problems between Muslim communities fighting against one another. I don't know if that's got bad in London, but in Birmingham, for example, up north, it's becoming crazy, where Muslim minority groups are fighting against each other. Like crazy levels. Right? The aspect, of course, of, of the uh, cons- consuming all of the nonsense which is on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, that is difficult to monitor anyway, let alone by parents who themselves are addicted to the same devices and the same programs, but a different type of content. A different type of content. This is the thing. We're always looking at the rubbish that our kids and whatever are watching on Instagram. But when their parents are watching the religious stuff or the educated kind of halal comedy stuff, for example, or dog videos to death, yeah. And Kids are seeing that, that, well, you know, that's just taste. So clearly the device and the system and the wasting of the time is okay. They've just got their taste. And I'm just focusing on, you know, what other baguas that, 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 that they watch for whatever reason. I mean, I don't understand it myself, right? I've been watching this kid, right? When I say watching, seeing the clips of this, this uh, kid, I don't know. He's African or Jamaican or whatever. And he's just got this kind of dreadlocks and he just screams. Right? And this guy is called Speedy or Speedo or something like that. I'm looking at this guy. I have absolutely no idea why the people are obsessed with him, but he's obsessed and he's just, he's like, all the time, just screaming all the time at everything, right? Now, all it takes for me is to go and go into Google and type in the guy's name and understand why is it that he has 100 million followers here and 100 million followers here and everyone's here. Why is it? So that I can understand it and say to the kids, because listen, this guy's an idiot. Just stop wasting your time. And this is the reason, as opposed to just being, you know, but I'm not doing it. Because I, I, I'm, I'm, I make the excuse to my head that I don't have the time, that I can't be bothered. I don't know how important it is. And in that time, then people just carry on consuming absolute nonsense. And they carry on then developing in their mind that this is actually what life's meant to be. These are the people that are meant to have the mic and I'm here to listen. And so the reminder to myself, And to all of you Is that our Consequential problems Of identity, violence Confusion in Aqidah, whatever Is all coming from a core problem A fundamental core problem Of not recognizing the threat And not standing for our values Not understanding the threat And not standing for our core values My brothers and sisters Take this advice from me That do not take this thing lightly Do not assume someone else Is going to deal with it Do not think that you're, especially the Muslim schools, especially those schools as I walked past yesterday, a school and all the kids that came out were Muslim. And you might send your kids there and say, yeah, man, my kids got like 80% Muslims in the class. These are in some cases even worse than those where are. There are non-Muslims doing X, Y, Z, where you look at the situation and you can, it's almost to see the problem obviously in front of you, can sometimes help the threat. But when it's coming from your own, who are jahil and don't know any better, situation then is much more dangerous and the last hunter knows best all right so anyway um are there any questions on just what we've spoken about at the end we'll do a general q a so i don't want to open it up so much but are there any specific questions on uh, qatar or the world cup or sports washing or lgbtq or xyz we good yes If there was any willingness from these hypocrites to actually engage in debate, this would be a whole different ballgame, mm-hmm. right? You're talking about uh, you're talking about big things, Baji, and Judaism and Christianity. Even that popular society has never been accepted. Even so, so what about popular society? Even scientifically, what, what on earth is going on? Yani, yeah, I mean, you know, every act needs to be assessed. In, in society, everything that we do is assessed for safety reasons, beneficial from cultural point of view, blah, blah. What is actually happening in these acts? On what basis? Which society? Godless or faith, uh, faithful? Yani, is this part of? This, this is not an issue open to debate. The whole point is that the debate is closed down, right? So, yeah. Anyway, uh, Timur, if you can bring up the text, please, uh, that one there. Yeah, on, my, on uh, the screen here. Yeah. So what we're going to do then, folks, we'll do a Q- Q- QA session at the end. We're going to cover now for the next uh, maybe 20 minutes. Uh, just Hibba there. Uh, so in 20, in 20 minutes, we'll uh, uh, then open up for a Q&A session. But we'll just definitely finish off that little part that we're going to do in the Arabic here. Yeah. Um, just a question
1: about yeah. Yeah. But obviously it's, she's going to get exposed to it slowly so do i just try and ignore it as long as possible or can i start bringing it up with a five-year-old that
0: at what point do you start so 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 the question is you know uh, i have a five-year-old and um how do i uh approach this issue do i just you know keep avoiding it until it's necessary or do i start speaking about it and and what I... uh, the first thing i want to say is there is no one way to deal with this this is really important for people to hear, right? Because they might see a person who's a family man who's, uh, or, or a mother that's done a great job of their kids. And then they look to that person and they say, That's my example, right? And one of the things I often tell students is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala left open two key aspects of Islam to us they are da'wah and tarbiyah. Da'wah and Tarbiya When I say open Meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Didn't obligate us to do da'wah Like Ibrahim alayhi did The Prophet ﷺ Didn't obligate us to do da'wah Like the Prophet ﷺ did When he took the state in Medina Which is a very confrontational Direct, no messing about This is how it is yani, uh, Accept Islam or you're going to be battered You know, a, a, a moment A type uh, uh, of an expression that was relevant Likewise, tarbiyah Imagine if there was a, not just a template in the Qur'an But an insistence that at age 6 must be this, 7 must be that, 10 must be this It would be chaos In the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He set principles for da'wah and principles for tarbiyah And so the rest of it is down to us Whether you use Montessori, whether you use Islamic boarding school, whether you do homeschooling, whether you do XY And that of course differs not just in the system but the child itself I remember very clearly my conversations with my elder children my older children I had a a, a a relationship with them where I could speak to them like adults made it very very clear what the score was very graphic, very yeah any banter, very boyish you know and it worked and in their hearts and minds there will there will be no space for anything like that الله, ever to enter into the in, in, into the mindset of acceptable let alone desires right but other people aren't like that and ages are, people are not the same. And level of exposure is not the same. Like, for example, my daughter is nine years old, right? Nearly nine, okay? Ish right? nine, eight, maybe, or something like that. And uh, she hasn't got a absolute scooby-doo what's going on about that stuff. Hasn't got a clue. And this, you see, this is a good example. You know, you hear about um, that primary schools have got certain... Uh, 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 Ages and they're now going to do it in year two And they're going to do it in year four and whatever First of all, this is not standard So some schools don't even do it, right Some are worried, some go hardcore Like, you know, that school in Birmingham or whatever Another very good example, right Where a school where the parents were not willing to accept that nonsense whatsoever Now imagine if they had applied the whole pragmatist kind of You know what it is, let them bring their guy in We'll bring our guy in that was an option, right? You you brought the, the gay Muslim guy in who came in and did all his propaganda and uh, I can see some middle-class cultured parents saying, well, you know what it is? We live in this society and that's what we signed up for and if they had their day, then we should have our day as well. <laughs> we'll send Molvi in to basically go. Do you think when Molvi goes in, he's going to say, right, that guy, what he said was a load of bakwas, yeah? That's all rubbish. No, no, he's going to say Islam is the only five pillars and all that bakwas, yeah? So, So... Uh, You know, they said, we're not having none of this and made it very, very clear to the kids. Actually, to the parents of those kids, for the ones who stood up for themselves, actually, without even, you know, this is, I mean, retrospectively is different. But to be in the moment and to stand up like that Indian kid in the school, if you saw the video of the uh, the uh, lecturer who started going in on terrorists and whatever, whatnot. And the guy was like, what are you talking about? Which is amazing, actually. It's different retrospectively, to be there and then in the moment, which is Allah So, um, the people having to stand up at times, it has to happen. But, but sometimes schools don't even do anything. And imagine that, as you just said, you're expecting year five, well, five is year one? Yeah, year one. So you're expecting, because you've been told that year one are going to start Teaching this kind of stuff in some kind of soft kind of way in The lessons and not come back to it until year three right and It doesn't happen and you went and filled a little kid's head Full of the most confusing bakwas ever Right all because you're expecting something to happen right So this shows that there is no uh, Solution to this I am very much against the keep kids away from things uh, Approach very much against it. I think that the parent that's involved with their kid Personally, socially And their education And their school friends And who they are And their parents Scopes everything out Bro, full FBI mode There is no such thing as yeah, any, The way that we were brought up Obviously you're a younger generation than I am But my generation Our parents didn't know nothing about us They're too busy trying to make, uh, survive Right? All, there was no accountants and doctors And this, that, whatever All our parents were laborers They used to work night shifts, day shifts, every hour that they could find. We would go by ourselves, come back by ourselves. We would go out and come back when it was dark. You know, there was no safety, no issues, no nothing, whatever. Today's parenting is a complete different thing. You have to know every single... There's not a single person in my kids' class I don't know. Their parents have clocked them all out, scoped them all out, done all the Google search. Bro, I'm all over that. Not a chance when so-and-so is inviting whatever, what not, no, tell him, no, you can't. When so-and-so is inviting whatever, say, yes, you can. These are the conditions, blah, 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 blah. You have to be that paranoid, and this is a blessed form of paranoia, if you want to protect your kids. Now, if you didn't do that, and you just assumed, then you could actually then introduce something into a kid's head, and it was just unnecessary. The same happened with my daughter, in that she was not in the country in the, her school when they did this book was. So she's missed that entire concept, OK? Now, the reason I like that is that when it's going to come again at an older age, she's going to be confused, and she's going to need some clarity. At that stage, when it's already gone a step forward, and you haven't got the underground, yeah, any, the, the underpinning foundations, instead of being more common sense, it becomes more confusing. They're more willing to ask about it. You can set the record straight. That's actually what happened with my two elder children. Because the same thing happened with them in that one of them was out of the country when it was being taught. And so he, and this is the irony, this is a a story that I tell in Protect This House, Mm -hmm. that even though there's two years difference between them, right? the elder one watches the video second stage, which the younger one's watching, not having seen the the original uh, 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 part or whatever. And I remember they're coming home, and they said, yeah, listen, we did biology uh, today. I said, "Oh, biology, huh? All right, then. And so then, you know, the guy, uh, so he goes, yeah, so they did about how men and women um, uh, uh, thingy uh, uh, reproduce. So the, one of them is saying, uh, the elder one, he's beca- just because he's missed the video, he's said, yeah, so the sperm and the egg fertilize this, that, whatever. And he explains it all in detail. I said, "MashaAllah, excellent. And the younger one's looking at him and he's like, like, looking at him, looking at him, looking at him. And the other one's like, what, what do you want? And he goes, Well, you didn't say the beginning part. The other one goes, What beginning part? He goes, the beginning part, the beginning part. And the other, other one's like, there was no beginning part. That was the beginning of the video. He goes, You didn't see this when they stood like this and stood like that, and this, that. And I'm like, Ras, yeah? And the the elder one's like, Ras. Right, And that was my opportunity. His confusion, his not being able to put it together what's going on was like, right, this is what, what, what the score is. This is the, this is. this is the true, this is blah, 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 blah. So the only reason I say that is that you mustn't feel under any pressure because of what other people have done or an age your kid has reached or, or what society is talking about. You've just got to be in tune with their everyday reality to an obsessive, paranoid amount. Unapologetically, if you want to protect your kids from that nonsense, that's it. Don't look for any template, don't look for any examples. Just know that they are after your kid and that when it comes, you're not going to give them your kid. That's it. Don't need to, you just need to be involved every day, every single day. All right. So today, uh, for the value of those people who have bought their texts with them, we are at the top of page. Uh, 236 in the chapter of Sharh al-Mumti' And the actual text, if you guys want to actually even have a look Well, you guys might find it difficult there But I'll read it out in Arabic anyway Just bring it down a little bit um, Oh, actually, it's there, it's there That's right, it's right um, So in Arabic, what we're doing today is uh, where are we hey, well. <laughs> Illa imam al hay al marjua zwa zwa le lettihi. Wayo saluna wa ra ahujulusen nadba. Fanib teda abihim thumma atel, fa jalasa, atem muhalfahu, kiaman, wujuba. Watasihu, khalfa manbihi, salasul bowl, bimithlihi. Wala tasihu, khalfa muhdethin, wala mutanajis yalamudalik. All right, I don't think we're going to do more than that. All right, so if we come down, then the English translation, this is now down, down, down. <coughs> down, 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 down Down, 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 right there So we're talking about who you cannot uh, pray behind Who can't be your imam, basically, right? That's where we've got to So uh, a person who cannot bow This is a man, obviously, okay? Because this uh, is supposed to be the imam of the masjid <coughs> One who can, cannot bow, prostrate, sit or stand That's the person who can't lead your prayer Unless, according to the Hanbalis, this is their position Unless he is the local imam who is expected to recover Meaning it's a temporary condition only That's what the Hanbali said Anyway, if you're behind such an imam An imam who is your local imam Who has just had sudden sub operation is going to get better And he needs to pray sitting down Then it is recommended that they pray behind him seated So when he prays seated, you pray seated as well This is the humbly position However, <coughs> if he starts the prayer while standing but then has to sit down, so he's fine, then has to sit down, due to some kind of problem, they, the musallim behind, they must complete the prayer standing. Okay? Is there no other translation? Uh, I think that's it. And then then the author then says, um, I'll just translate live. Uh, He says... No, no, that's there Okay So if he stands If he starts the prayer standing uh, Then has to sit down due to Probably they must complete the prayer But the prayer is also invalid If you pray behind a person Who doesn't have wudu Right Or Is someone who has najasa on them And they know about it Okay So it's not valid to pray behind a person Who Has Not got wudu or breaks the wudu, and mu- muhdith in a state of hadath, okay? ولا متنجس يعلم ذلك, or a person who is in a state of najasa or has najasa on them on their body of some sort and they know about that. So we'll speak about that as well. All right, let's finish off this uh, part. Then about a person who is Sheikh Uthameen says al masala al aaj is anirruqooat wa sujud So if there's a person out there who can't stand so you can only sit down can we pray behind him we've already established actually in our previous lessons we can does it uh, apply to uh, a person who is only the imam of the locality we say no there's no evidence for that even though the hanbali said that the only person that you can pray behind is uh, is an imam we say no any person in fact we have a rule the rule is that if a person's prayer is valid in of themselves if they can pray and their prayer is allowed it is allowed to pray behind that person you might ask who in their right mind is going to put a person who can't speak or a person who uh, uh, can't you know, stand or a person who can't whatever in front? The answer is because the rest of you do not know more Qur'an than him. That's the reason we're talking about this chapter. This is about people not having enough Qur'an, not understanding the Qur'an because the Prophet ﷺ said, let you be led by the one who is most versed in the Qur'an. This is an obligation. So the person who's most versed must lead. And so if, for example, everybody is anpar, no idea what's going on, and the only guy who can recite is the one who has got some operation, got some disability, and they can't therefore pray properly, then that is the person who needs to lead the prayer. And our position is that that person needs the prayer regardless, regardless of their of their condition. So, Sheikh Uthameen is asking this question. He goes, what about a person who can't make rukuah? Because qiyam, okay, that's clear. Why the qiyam situation? Because the Prophet ﷺ, when... He went to, uh, uh, when he was sitting down uh, uh, once, and they actually stood up, he told them to sit down. Meaning that there is hadith in this issue, and we should be very careful then, of course, of how we present ourselves when we're praying behind such a person. So sitting down, we have hadith. But what about a person who can't make ruku'ah? So he can stand or sit, but he can't make ruku'ah because of his back, for example. What about a person who can't make sujood, which is normally to do with knees? So he can't get on his knees, for example. What about a person who can't sit down, for example? Meaning that they don't have the ability to sit down, can only lie down. This is now the question. Is it acceptable to pray behind them? The answer is we establish our, our, our existing principle. Every person whose prayer is valid in of themselves, you can pray behind that person. And so if that person then can't make ruku', you, you will still have him lead the prayer. The question should be asked, if that person can't make ruku', and therefore they do this for example for a if they were standing because they got a back operation they can't bend it at all not even 10% not even 20% so there's indicate or for example this is the person who can't stand or make and so when they're sitting down they're sitting and leading on and they can't even sit on the floor let's just make it some mad one they're sitting on a chair and they can't move and they've got their hand and they use their hand to indicate to the jama'a that they are now in the standing position right and now they've done this. This is called IMA, yani indication, right? And so they do this because they can't move forward, right? And remember, nobody knows in the Quran. He's leading because he recites Quran great and he's absolutely perfect, he just can't move, that's all. So with his hand, he indicates that. First of all, this person's prayer is absolutely valid. Why? Because he is only held accountable for what he can do. And because that's all he can do, his prayer is fine. Second rule, any person's prayer who's fine can lead another person regardless. The question is, what should we be doing? If, if we have an imam who prays sitting down from the beginning, what did the Prophet ﷺ tell everybody to do? Sit down. So if a person then does this with the ruku'ah, what should we do? And that's the question. There are some scholars that said, if you're going to keep consistency, then you also have to indicate in ruku'ah. And there is no evidence direct, textual, to refute this. Okay. The, so what is going to refute it? Just our general sensitivity. Like you'd laugh if you, were, you saw someone do that, right? You would laugh. And you'd think, what the hell is going on? And you know, sometimes that's good enough as an Islamic ruling. Now that sounds crazy, right? That in a class of fiqh, which is depending upon sunnah and hadith and tiyas and ijma and whatever, whatnot, that actually what we're going to go on is the reaction of the people. But the reaction of the people in its whole something even in the absence of evidence is an indication that something makes sense and so therefore just to show you that for all of these individual scenarios that if the uh, imam can't make ruqur, and you can you should make ruqur. and if the imam can't make sujood you should make sujood can i say you are obligated without 100 i can't because actually the only evidence in this issue was recited sitting and they actually followed his seating position but I don't know of any scholar that will confidently say, no, you indicate, okay? Even though that they have an argument for it. If the Imam is, so this is also where the rules are a bit broken. What if the Imam is lying down? Can't sit down, right? But can only lie down. Now, Allah does tell us that we should establish the dhikr of Allah qiyaman qu'udan ala junubihim, right? So we've actually got the three positions, standing, sitting, and then on the side. That's the, I mean, the general rule for remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If the Imam now does goes to three because they can't do one and two, what should the Musalli do? Follow, it, you could, you could see the sense for it, but they're maintaining consistency with the Ruku and the Sujood. They're saying that he can do Ruku, he can do Sujood and he can sit. He can sit, which is the closest position to lying down. And so, the uh, position, uh, our class position, is that if the Imam is lying down, you pray seated. And if they if he's making, can't make ruku', you will make ruku'. And if he can't make sujood, you will make sujood. And if he can't uh, stand, then you will sit following the Imam. But this is also all with the caveat that the prayer has started like that. Because the next section is mm-hmm. going to throw it up in the air. Yes? Can you put the uh, comments on? I can't see the comments. Just, just the difference.
1: Is there not a difference in that? To stand. Yep. The took that away. and Yeah. Uh, yep.
0: And that we should not make qiyas between arkan, huh? Yeah, and with the
1: Rupin, with the Rupin, no, no express evidence to take that
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why I said legally, you're always going to have the argument exactly what you just said there. Legally, you'll always have that basis to defend yourself with. I don't know of any scholar that will accept it and this now goes to show how the levels that fiqh can get to this is like as advanced and intrinsic as it gets in fiqh in which you can't where where evidence would suggest not doing it yet the level of if I can be as bold to say absurdity of the act is so much that not a single Muslim sees it believes in it or establishes it scholars from them included so there is no rational answer for me to you to tell you. I agree with you that, we, uh, technically speaking, if, if one has been given an exception, we need an exception for the ruku and the sujud as well. But yeah, this is the position of all the scholars. But Allah knows best. Yes, Ibrahim. So the, first of all, that's not a Hanafi thing, right? This is a hadith of the Prophet of istafti kalbik, right? That seek fatwa from your heart Focusing mostly on the principle of taqwa And that is a correct position That in the absence of evidence As you said A Muslim has got to go with something in the end If they can't then ask someone And now obviously there's a hierarchy Right? This hierarchy is very interesting Because if a person follows a madhhab very strictly Like a Hanafi for example This is what in their madhab Is Allows them to go to another madhab And ask them and follow them Right, regardless of the fact that they'd never do it, they don't understand it, they don't uh, differing usul, all that kind of mess that they create for themselves. But they said it's, it's completely fine if you actually go out and follow a, a, someone else's opinion, because at that moment, it's better than you not having the answer, not having the evidences, just go and do blind taqlid. So now if you had no person, then of course you'd have to ask your heart. And you'd say, what makes sense? What feels safer? What's a risky position? What, whatever. And in this scenario, it's, it's crazy You'd ask a hundred people And a hundred people will tell you that I'll make Ruquah You know what I mean? And by the way, that's not so difficult to accept Especially when you consider that a number of scholars said That when you stand behind a, a, a man who's sitting down Then you pray standing up You don't sit down Now, if you have that as your Primary hadith Then of course you're going to make ruku' and sujood and so on you understand know what I'm trying to say? So the, the position is very very well established That you're going to make ruku' If they can't The only reason that we say That no you don't pray standing up Is because we differentiate As Imam Ahmed did Between the two scenarios A person who starts the prayer sitting down And a person who doesn't start The praying sitting down Which is what we're going to come to uh, now This is um, So Sheikh says uh, and, and, and he got, this is something which is nice, what he says here When you are talking about the ruku' and Sujood and these kind of acts The act that you're doing is not that different to what they're doing Meaning that if a person, for example, is standing like this, right? And they, this is all they can do, that kind of level, you're doing that You're just adding like 30, 40 degrees extra as opposed to just doing a part. Whereas the difference between sit- sitting and standing is a significant one. Sheikh Uthameen made this point. Almost as if to say that the only time and the only reason that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned it to do with sitting and standing is because it's a unique situation. Actually, you are meant to pray the ruku' properly, sujood properly, and not lying down properly, except in sitting. And he gave a reason as well because in some narrations of the hadith particularly in sahih muslim the prophet ﷺ, he said in, in, that if you had just done what you had done meaning if i hadn't told you remember we, we said that the prophet ﷺ in salah sitting down indicates to a whole group of people the companions who have stood up in their prayer sit down imagine in the prayer which not only is therefore an obligation, but to say in the prayer, to interrupt the prayer, to make them sit down, shows how important it was to sit down. Right? They all sit down. Some hadith end there. Other versions of the hadith have them him turn around to them and say to them, you know if the, you guys had carried on standing, then you would have basically just been copying the Persians and the Romans. in, 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 in what did they do? Uh... uh you know, like uh, uh, in the courts, uh, the, the royal court, the king's always sitting down and everybody nobody's allowed to sit, right? You all have to stand and attention and nobody's allowed. So, always in the kuffar the system, the sitting down is for the honorable one and everybody's got to stand up. And the Prophet then wanted to indicate that if I had remained sitting down and you're all standing up, We've turned this into this kind of like, you know, king worship kind of bakwas As opposed to a communal act of worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Which, which Then he says فَلَا تَفْعَلُوا Don't do this اعتَمُوا بِأَئِمَّتِكُمْ Copy your imams, your leaders In If they pray standing, then you pray standing وَإِنْ صلى قَائِدًا فَصَلُوا قعودًا. And if they pray sitting down, then you should also pray sitting down and so this hadith makes it very, very clear that you've got to follow. Now, we're going to see a hadith now, which is going to sh- tell us something uh, 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 different. So Sheikh says um, that if a person can't make uh, sajda, then we pray behind this person as well, but we make proper sajda, and he does whatever he can. Same for sitting down, same for lying down, and the like. And Sheikh says, in summary, we can say, and then we will always pray behind the one who can't stand, who can't make sajda, who can't make ruku, who can't sit down, whatever the deficiency is. If that's the most qualified person for the job, then he will lead the prayer. And this is the opinion, Sheikh Uthameen says, that was chosen by Sheikh Al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah. May Allah have mercy upon him. It is the correct opinion, and it is based upon the generality of the evidences, such as the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, يَأُمُّ الْقَوْمُ That let a people be led in their prayer by the one who's most versed in the Book of Allah or knows the most Qur'an and based upon the principle that we said earlier on that if a person's prayer is authentic and valid that they have the right to lead the prayer as well then the exception to this so if, if he starts now, a different scenario so this is now, as I said uh, uh, a person who starts sitting down So. Everybody's sitting there And the imam is wheeled to the front And he goes And he's sitting there on the floor And then they uh, uh, start But what about a scenario Where the imam's normal Everything's great He starts with them standing Has some kind of pain, problem And he sits down in the prayer What should you do? You remain standing okay, And not remain standing You must remain standing You must remain standing Standing. This is what happened with the Prophet ﷺ when, who remembers? When Abu Bakr did what? Let's now get to the bottom of this. Yes. Ad Dalil, Shaykh Al says at the bottom of 238, he says that in the last stages of the life of the Prophet, ﷺ, in his final uh, moments when he was in the illness of his death, that he entered the masjid. And Abu Bakr was praying with the people You know I told you last week Don't ask too many questions You know people were saying Did he start the prayer? Did he not start the prayer? The prayer was started Okay Abu Bakr started the prayer قَدْ اِبْتَدَأَ بِهِمَ الصَّلَاءِ قَائِمًا And he had started the prayer standing So he's standing Everybody's standing They didn't expect the Prophet ﷺ to make it out He was too weak Then he does wake up He asks Aisha give me water Makes wudu And then Fadl and uh, Fadl and Fadl and who? Subhanallah, I forgot the second sahabi. They, uh, uh, maybe Ali bin Abi Talib, but I could be wrong. They, uh, 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 bring him into the masjid and uh, like drag, dragging him into the masjid. So he couldn't walk He was too weak. So his two feet are being dragged and he's being supported by the two companions. Brought to the front, to the left of Abu Bakr siddiq This is essential. To the left of Abu Bakr siddiq which means that he's become the mm-hmm. imam. So he has led the prayer then on, and this look what the um look what the the, the riwaya say, says. He sat to the left of Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr remains standing. You sali Abu Bakr with the salat of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Abu Bakr is following uh, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. You saluna nas with the salat of Abu Bakr, and the people are following Abu Bakr. So nobody can see the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam sitting down. Abu Bakr is standing. Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is sitting. When the Prophet indicates forward, Abu Bakr goes for, uh, for uh, ruku'ah. When the Prophet, then like that. When he goes in sajda, he goes like this. This is what's happening. The people did not sit down. They remained standing, following Abu Bakr as They give salam together, salam together. That's how the prayer played out. So, because of this hadith, you either have a contradiction, because in the other hadith, the Prophet said, sit down. So, how do you make the difference between the two? We say, ah. If the prayer has already started standing, then the people remain standing. If the prayer starts from the beginning sitting, then we start sitting. This is Imam Ahmed's opinion, different to the other three schools, and it's my opinion as well. It's the class position as well. And, uh, uh, now, um, I don't know, I think maybe this is good actually to pause and we'll take a QA just on general because, yeah, I think this is good. Because the next section, um, you know, maybe we set a little bit homework actually for those folks that want to really benefit from this. All right. The next section is about people who have, and this is increasing by the way, because of diet problems. People who have incontinence is what classically they used to speak about. Okay. Incontinence. Um, now incontinence is generally linked to age. So in the classical books of fiqh and early societies, the complexities of irritable bowel syndrome was not very common. Now, I find that fascinating. From medical background, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, is mostly diarrhea but alternating any, you know, cramps, wind, constipation, diarrhea, feces all over the place. It's like a mess, right? And that's not to say it didn't exist, but I just want to say that you don't see it mentioned so much, unlike constant leaking, constant incontinence, whether fecal or whether urinary. That's what seems to be a classic and now uh, uh passing of wind constantly is also very common as well the most common of course is continual bleeding for women right which is we call it istihada so beyond menstruation so that's what we're going to cover next week how do you deal not just with that issue but then your imam having this problem like you wouldn't imagine you'd say right this person has a problem proper Constant state of Najasa Or constant state of breaking wudu How on earth can they be leading the prayer And that's of course what the text says We're going to investigate whether that's correct or not Right In preparation what you can do is If you type in Abu Isa into Google The the, the paper's out there You type in istihada, incontinence, uh, irritable bowel syndrome The paper will come up And it's a detailed one I want you to read it in preparation for next week's lesson As we look at some of the hadith and the like Wallahu ta'ala alam. All right, yes. First of all, what we do is that we'll do questions on what we've just done now and then open up the floor online and uh, thingy as well. Maybe you want to just uh, refresh. I don't know whether uh, it's... Oh, no, there, it's there. It's there. It's fine. Yeah. Sorry, so, if I just uh, clarify the class position, so what we're saying
1: is if the imam starts um, sitting down... Yes. We
0: pray behind him sitting down. Correct. That's not if true. the imam starts sitting down, we pray the whole prayer sitting down. So including sujood. Including sujood, because praying sitting down does not mean praying the standing part, sitting down. Very good question, by the way. Because technically speaking, praying, sitting down could be only the standing part, and then stand up for the court, stand up, which is, by the way, what you do when you are an individual who can't uh, sit on the floor. This is different. You see, this is actually a better question than even you realized, okay? So now I'm going to go into a different level, all right? What's one of the main mistakes that people make when they are having problem-making sajda? They sit down for the whole prayer Because they think That I've got to pray sitting down Which is a massive mistake Right And if they have any knowledge About the prayer Then they are held accountable for it And it's invalid Right If a person had a knee operation Right Which is the most common one Right And they can't make sajda You have to pray the whole prayer Standing Full ruku', Full hamida And then you sit down on your chair That's what you use for the sajda And then you stand up So when we're talking about this in our fiqh class And Qurud is mentioned First of all, like I've said a million times We're not talking about these dodgy chairs You know how much I hate chairs? And you know how much the masajid have now turned into churches Pews, basically And that's what's going to happen more and more Right? Um, You look now in the Muslim world And you are Like, even subhanAllah in the LP chat I don't know whether it was Maryam or whoever it was Who shared a picture of the masjid no I think whoever it was, but you saw that at the back they actually had wooden benches did you see them right there's like about ten of them now granted they were right at the back almost in the seating area but I bet that that's where where the people uh, sit during the prayer itself now that's going to increase it's going now start coming in if you go into the normal Arab mosques right now, then uh, like in Syria Egypt all over the place the back rows our uh, 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 benches, and the people come and they start the prayer at the back, and then they uh, 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 leave a 50 line gap and they pray from the back. And they justify that by we don't want to ruin the style of the prayer line at the front, you know, by putting the chairs there and whatever, which is a noble intention. And they solved it by some bakwas that we don't know how, where they're praying half a mile down the back in the same. Uh, thing It's a madness, right? Now, I'm not going to lie Some of the ways that the Gulf Muslims Try to deal with it is pretty sick So they have this thing You know this backrest? You've seen it, I'm sure So they, they make that Now, that's a out. first of all right there I just want to make that clear good, yeah. However it's a good bida'a that is, right? <laughs> so you can just chill and read your Quran and whatever And the really interesting thing of course Is that those folks who have got a problem Can sit on it Without leaving the thingy now, this is a bit of a Jewish move to be honest It's like our version of the pew Kind of You know Blagging the Christian move Not being the Christian Being Pax Basically ending up being Jews Yeah So um, We've Now The interesting thing is that When it's mentioned in the books of Fiqh Anytime sitting down this is referring to people that are sitting the whole prayer And they can't stand at all And they're sitting on the floor Something that we must revive in our masjid. If you are a person who is now gone now gone from the prayer now standing you've reached that age whatever whatnot get used to praying the whole thing on the floor in the front row you're not disturbing anybody you're not yanni going back and ruining the guy behind you you're not standing looking weird all you're doing is sitting yanni in your own position in the line but people are not willing to do that and they use excuses and xyz and when a chair's there who's going to want to sit on the floor because it's a mission to get up yeah it's a mission to get up only one mission that's it once you get down on the floor Then the masjid should have a system that they help you get back up, and that's it, you go home, khalas, right? So, remember that, that's, that's uh, an asl, yeah. Um, I know we have zero acceptance for LGBTQ, I never said that, I'm being recorded, I have plenty of acceptance. What, (laughs) what, uh, (laughs) what I'm unclear about is how do we deal with such individuals in professional settings, and social settings. Even being in a Muslim country, it is around me, I have no idea how to navigate things around such situations. Nobody has any idea how to navigate these. Everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody's, you know, whatever and we're not gonna say that, you know, being very pragmatic or being, uh, you know, like there's been some popular people, these clips are, they, unfortunately they don't ever go, you know, going on the Danish radio stations and whatever saying that I never said this about that. I said. And in pressure situations, your leaders will say crazy stuff. And the version of every, everybody's version is that in the office When they're asked the same thing and whatever, whatnot, And obviously this is a uh, We are an aqaliyah, we are a minority And minorities are not in sharia Are not treated or held accountable like a dominant society So maybe there's some forgiveness from Allah in that Persons should stand up for themselves They should read the law very, very well Understand what it is they can say what they can't say And just stick to the legalities just stick to the legalities and just make sure that you don't get prosecuted you don't lose your risk without you yani, having to sell your deen and if you've got to say something on the on the tongue which you don't believe in the heart then we ask allah for forgiveness and that's yani, just one of the one of the things you know that we've got to accept uh, allah alam. what is the place of khuntha in islam rafi we spoke so much about that in and about hermaphrodites or, or for the young liberals intersex they like that 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 phrase they don't like our one um, uh, in other lessons Yeah, I'm not going to go back on that uh, Yes, Dishan yes, um, You know, you were saying
1: about the uh, Imam Can he pass it over to
0: someone Yes, it is permissible for the Imam Who knows more Quran To pass over the Salah duties For some good reason As long as that the people are not affected He can't put you know, some, you know Wala Zaleen guy forward Yeah? You know what I mean? There's got to be some izzat for the prayer. And there's got to be someone who knows what's going on. But, you know, if you find someone that, yeah, they can do their surah nice, they know the ruling of the prayer, and going to be able to get us out of a mess if there is one, mm-hmm. then they're allowed to do that. Especially if there's a reason to do that as well. Right? Like, um, I mean, we're doing that, we're making that decision all the time. Like travelers, for example. Right? Like, how many times have I been in a gathering and they're pushing me forward to lead the prayer? But I'm not because it's just confusing to people. you cutting out after two and everyone's like, what's happening? And just causes unnecessary stress, angst, this, that, whatever. And so if I can put a guy forward that's good enough to lead the prayer and they get the four that the majority of the Jamaah want and I'm the only guy on the two, then we, you just do it. So there's got to be a reason for it. And if the imam justifies it and looks after the Jamaah with the choice that he makes, no problem with that. No problem with that. With It's for the silent prayer as well. Yeah, this is a big mistake that people make, you know, that, you know, the Anpar folks can lead the Zohar Asr. (laughs) Because it's it's crazy. It's actually crazy if you think about it, right? I mean, it makes sense logically, but if you think about it, it's like to recite out loud is only a sunnah. To recite Maghrib out loud, what's essential for the people like in Maghrib? Is it obligatory for them to hear the recitation? What if you're in a masjid with the speakers stop working? Think about that. So let's say your imam loses his voice. Is the prayer invalid? What if Yani is your, what he was a, and he carries on whispering? Is the prayer invalid? No. He's just got to make sure that it's clear that when he goes for ruqa, he says Allah Akbar, even if it's silently. He's fulfilled all the arkan. The people see him go for ruqa, and they will then follow him. And you don't hear, how many, the sisters masakin. they don't ever hear any prayer in their entire life. <laughs> Yeah, Are all their prayers invalid? Yani. You know what I'm trying to say? So, somehow, the dhuhr Asr is just like crept underneath the radar. Like, yeah, I don't know You need to stick any uncle into that one, let him lead. <laughs> Bro, it's the same rules as the other one. But I, I know, I get your point, though. Yeah, Ibrahim. So, just to clarify, so the school's opinion
1: is that if someone can't stand
0: or, or bow or sit, then they can't lead. Can, the school's position, yes. Ibn Taymiyyah, the Muhaken of the Madhab, our class position is that if they have a valid prayer, they are they can lead the prayer as well, especially if they are the right person for the job. Yes. Two
1: questions. First question is in the uh, first hadith we discussed, do we say Prophet Shilam whilst in the prayer indicated? Or do we say, Yes. so why not before? Why not just mention it? Because the difference that
0: Because they because because uh, they they stood up in so the prayer. Um, the, the hadith doesn't mention which when it happened, meaning second, third raka'ah, whatever, but you are guessing it's early. You're guessing it's early. Yani in the qiyam position, basically. It wouldn't make sense for any other time for it to happen, right?
1: Have to have started, right?
0: Yeah, it would, have, it would have been in the beginning, like first raka'ah, you'd have guessed. But Allah knows best, we don't know.
1: But we definitely know Prophet Suleen started it seated, right? Yes, Asher. correct. And the second question is if you do get a
0: yeah. <coughs> Should the
1: prayer
0: be repeated? No, 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 God no. That was an exaggeration on my behalf, yeah. Andy. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Surat Al-Ladina and Surah Al-Ladina and Surat Al-Ladina and Surat Al-Ladina. These are What's the cutoff not. So there? the so the so so the the cutoff point is actually a lot more nuanced than we can probably articulate in any in even three lessons. Why? Because you'd need to be knowledgeable Which is above my pay grade anyway Of the uh, various differences on the pronunciations of individual letters So in fairness, that's the easy example Al-Lazina, right? Is not narrated in Hafs at all, right? However, the one that we all pick on is well,,, whatever Actually does have riwayat, authentic, in Hafs that would indicate that there is some differences amongst the Arabs in how they pronounce it. So the ruling would return back to is the prayer valid or not? Right? Even with a, a blatant easy one, as well as uh, al lazina, okay, um, even that is not like al labina. You get what I'm trying to say? There are levels to this game. And <clears throat> in the Semitic languages, za and the are interchangeable. Right? One of the examples that I give is in Fitna, the Tafsir of Surah Al Imran. Zakariya السلام, is not an Arabic name. Right? Zakariya, they said, in its origin, is to do actually with the one that makes lots of dhikr. Dhikr for us is what we're calling it in Arabic. In their version of what it was, it was be with a hard za. Ya'ani it is similar for the difference between ta and ta and very similar to the argument between seen and sad and that's why we you see in some mushafs you see it isn't it a little sad on top of your actual seen indicating to you that there's some narration there is some validity and so on so the truth is is that the only time where it's a cut off point is someone is blatant like yani masha Allah gone Full commando, yani, you know And just eating that whole behavior up And changing it to someone else Right? Yeah so for lachen, is it just changing the meaning? No, lahan Lahan is a very different over concept This is the issue of lahan How much is acceptable lahan Lahan in some interpretations Means being overtly musical in tone And at the more correct meaning of lahan It means a level of grammatical mistake that changes meaning so there is a huge subject a hundred percent a hundred percent Among some people is going to be uh, this is a subjective part that's why you do not find the scholars thankfully Telling people that you've got to repeat prayers because the guy's got lame tajweed, for example. It's a subjective thing. Yeah? I The way that I explain it, you will know when a prayer needs to be repeated. <laughs> put it that way. It's not when your normal daily salahs is being led by Uncle G, and yeah? it's not that one. I just um,
1: Realistically speaking, the condition that people use to put an imam is who's got the longest beard, and that happens a lot. All of these conditions, two, three, four, get thrown to the side. Completely thrown. Yeah. And then that he's come on and he's got the most brock that you found <laughs> yeah, atullah. Yeah. And then and there's and then, you know, people claim to hide the don't know what to do, just really far away as hard. And in that case, if you if a person is in that kind of scenario and you know a certain persons it, is it per- permissible for someone who knows the Quran to put themselves forward in that you want to really do, do that normally.
0: Is it so permissible I don't. I, I, I don't. I, I, is it permissible or not? Uh, for, 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 for the sake of the microphone, basically, someone who quote-unquote broke his yeah, is leading the prayer and destroying it. Um, now, if it's invalid, then it's invalid. Okay. And I, I, my answer will use this as an example. If the prayer was I- invalid, you would still continue and afterwards make that decision. Imagine this is a person who's invalidated the prayer let alone someone who you think has got poor one. Never would you do that. So I'm saying not even in an actual prayer. Yani, I want to say that the threshold for sticking to the jama'ah is big. Next week we're going to be covering the hadith, فَإِنْ أَصَابُوا يعني, you know, فَإِنْ فَلَكُمْ وَلَهُ يعني yani, If he gets it right, then both great. If he messes up, then he's in trouble. Indicating that we can't become hostage To someone's uh, ill-discipline, rubbish, whatever Unless it's blatant, unless we can plan for it So personally The answer is more to do with politics than to do with fiqh What's going to be the impact And what will, what will some contingency say If that person went forward and the fiqhna that would occur Versus letting it play out A discussion happening afterwards and then people praying again if it was absolutely necessary and i mean absolutely necessary why why because you open this door right and it's the same door it's not a million miles away from the the door of i don't know how good my prayer was already we're in the, the era of ocd and nonsense right now and you open that door when we're just not satisfied with the quality of uh, bro are you kidding me i have this thought within three seconds of hearing Abdul Khan Sude's voice In a salah. I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here. Can you imagine? If I started justifying to myself that I find this person impermissible to pray behind X, Y, Z because this is what he does. This is what he believes. This is what he says. This is what his voice does. This is him screaming into the microphone. Whatever it is. Where do you stop? At what point do we... And I get it that there are some objective principles that we can lie, but the application of them will always be subjective. And the door that will be opened and the chaos that will be in our masajid it's a, it'll be a madness If the imam starts sitting down if, if the imam starts sitting Then stands up during the prayer for some reason Do the followers remain sitting? No, the followers will stand up That's the paper by the way For those that um, uh, want to find the paper You sign into the portal Logicalprogression.org And uh, in the chat of the lesson uh, Rafi has posted it It's, it's, uh, it's there as well it's in source, yeah. um, If you are sitting down After sajda Standing at start, where is the best place to be on the soft? If you are sitting down, where is the best place to be on the soft? What does that mean?? Oh, like Yani, yeah, so your backside should be in line with the, the feet. That uh, is all I can say, really. Chair, if, if it's a chair, then that's a huge discussion, but in my opinion, the back legs of the chair should be with the heels of the people. And I've, you know, I've exhausted this this uh, study, and that's my personal opinion. Yeah. I just
1: had very recently that you can join two together even it's not a big reason for it and
0: you're at home. Is that true? No, not if there is no reason for it and you're at home, but if there is a reason for it and it's a one off, and when I say a one off, I mean something which is happening once or twice a year, for example, then there's space for that, yeah. But it has got to be a reason for it. What's good enough reason for that? Well that's very difficult, but the same reason that only would happen to a person twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> if you think of it like that, it, it will make more sense. So for example, we, uh, listen, the concession is there to help people in extraordinary circumstances. So for example, we will allow a student sitting their finals, but not their mocks We will, uh, you know, not end of season tests, not end of year tests But when they're sitting there June, you know, absolutely can't get out of the exams, whatever, whatnot For these two days you can combine your dhuhr and asr At the latter time when you come out of your exam That guy maybe not do it again, he'll do it three times in three years You understand what I'm trying to say? This is what the Prophet sallallahu sallam combined the prayer, the hadith in Sahih Muslim and when he combined the prayer, the, uh, Abdullah ibn Abbas He uh, stated, he did this to lift the difficulty of the Ummah Meaning that once that difficult moment has come And you realise that you're in a complete moment of stress And you don't have any other option This is your moment to use it And the only thing that's governing you is your own taqwa And you've got to Be aware that it's more than just some kind of religious religiosity thing You need to know by very clear proof and evidence and my experience And every person on the planet will tell you That the one that <coughs> is, loses their religion Eventually starts by making these things the norm Without a shadow of a doubt The more concessions the uh, uh, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anh He said the continual combining of the prayer Is the opening of the door to the kabair The major sins no, I was very to get- Which is good uh, 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 th- that's a attitude that we need to promote Without making the act haram You get what I'm saying? To put fear into people that I'm not going to play around with it But if I need it Then I'm going to do it Like if a woman is in an example You know, situation where she's outside Very difficult for her to get back and But she's doing that every day Then that, that's, 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 that's not on But if she's like, you know She messed up one day She overran on her tasks at home She went out to the shopping and had to do it, and realize that this was this hasn't happened to me in three months. I've never done it like this. I messed up the whole planning, and I can't pray here. Then we, you know she can uh, make the intention. I'm not going to pray my duhr now. I'm going to pray out of time with my asr when I get back, and that's okay because it didn't wasn't intended. Didn't happen normally. Happened once twice a year. That's what it's there for. Oh yeah. Correct. No, it can't be habitual, uh, but as a one-off, it's valid. And, you know, people normally... If you want to know the normative scenarios we're giving this for, as I said, it's exams. It's uh, serious illness, right? When I say illness, I don't mean the hospital stays. I'm very comfortable that a person in a hospital could use it for the whole two weeks they were in, right? Just because they can't go to the bathroom. That's actually the real reason. No, I mean someone who's got the flu even, which is not real illness but they've just got no energy to get up and they they've not slept and they need a few hours and that would mean that they wouldn't get them to pray asr so you know what now that they've got up for dhuhr pray dhuhr asr now even sitting down combined and then lie down go to sleep to get yani whatever covid patients recovering these are yani temporary needs might even happen for a few days continuously but that won't repeat itself in five years for example so it can't be a habit and your taqwa is what's controlling you yeah yes Yep. So the sisters asking if um for example the father knows more um but he wants to encourage his son to lead. Yes. Is it
1: okay for the son to lead or if the father's just feeling tired or lazy that day can he put the son forward? He
0: can like we said here but the can't be throwing all us under the bus as well. Yeah. But If it's just at home. If it's like yeah, but there's someone else being thrown under the bus behind who is the per- person yani? Yeah, it's <laughs> some buddy, I'm a skeene, is it? <laughs> Always yani yeah, the wife. So, you know, you got to be able to recite Gotta be a, you can't, you see, uh, we've spoken about this before, but uh, the obligatory prayer can't become a training ground. Bro, if you're that interested in making your son a hafiz, then get up in the middle of the flipping night, you know what I mean? Don't ruin our maghrib, our isha, our whatever, you get what I'm saying? Now, uh, practicing Muslims have traditionally used tarawih for this, to bleed in their kids, right? To get them whatever, whatnot. That's great, but please don't do it for us in the masjid, yeah? We don't, we don't come here to hear your kid practicing, you know, uh, 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 all right? We want our local imam, and go and spend your night with your kid, and practice, whatever, the, the, and all, oh, got to feel the pressure. Bro, practice pressure at home. Stand behind him with a stick, yeah? <laughs> right? Every time he makes a thingy, smack him, say, now just imagine there's 500 people behind you. <laughs> right? <laughs> pressure. That's not British, bro. That's the. Do you think "tafaddal" is a British word? Where do you think that come from? Tafaddal, 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 fadl, fadl. This is Muslim, just wasting time. <laughs> this is just wasting time. There should be no tafaddaling at all. People should just, you know, be honest. It's like you said. People are now just, you know, whoever's hijab looks better, for you guys, and for us, it's the beard, or wearing any clothes or something like that. You know, where, anyone wearing a thobe, go forward, right? Now. Listen, is it the worst criteria? No, it's not. Most of the time it works out. It's rare that it's a complete failure, but obviously when it does fail, it takes a big yanny, you know, a big drama that the Marsha has made out of it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, yeah. Raji, I wanted to ask about the joining of the prayers mm-hmm. again. Uh, I
1: know that uh, one should join Zohar
0: and Asar together. Uh, at Zohar time. One can, you mean? yeah. 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 Yes, at, at either time, time At either time, yeah
1: But uh, can one join Zohar and Asr at Asr
0: time? Yes These are the two forms of jamma. At the early time and later time Right, later ta- early time and later time Yes, Yeah, I think that's uh, unacceptable. It's a very common thing. The issue of praying in the car, right, um, I don't think it's permissible at all because to forego the rukn, the pillar of standing, requires an incredibly extraordinary situation. We're talking a combination of safety, a combination of impossibility outside in terms of conditions, hailstoning, flooding, that kind of behavior. There is absolutely no reason except fear and weakness of Iman to pray in a car. All right. And when it is genuinely, as I said, impossible. For example, um, for example, you're on an A-road, not even a motorway, and outside it is pouring and it's uh, this little space, whatever. Then maybe this is a, and you tried to get to the right place, but you're on a long A road, for example. Then this may be, Allah alam, is something which is allowed. But yeah, praying in a car is a habit, unfortunately, that many people are increasing on, and it has to be stopped. Uh, Adnan saying that, you said that praying in a sitting position carries half of the water praying standing. Does this still apply if the imam is praying sitting and the congregation is sitting? No, it doesn't. All right, at all. Uh, down, is that last question online? No, OK um here's a case of uh i yes. oh, okay i think she's a counselor and she
1: supports people
0: that have been abused and she has clients of there is uh, so the question is is that if you have got clients who are lgbt bloody blah, blah you know what's the limits of the support now here it's about abuse um let me make it clear customers in a shop uh, patients in a surgery patients in a hospital There is no difference in terms of what you do for them, all right? This idea that because of what they are, this is nothing. LGBTQ, I know it's serious, but it's not that serious actually, all right? It's serious, but it's not that serious. Kufr is far more serious. So ask a question, can you give counseling to a kafir? You would like never hesitate in answering that question, right? That's the way you answer these questions. So of course, it's permissible and you should be helping these people. And um, it's it's very important. Listen. I'm very much aware of how difficult this subject is and how people are not speaking about it and how people are scared and what's going to happen to them and get cancelled and all that baguahs, and it's real when it happens. At the same time, also people, unfortunately, and this is important, and I really want you to understand this, yeah, give far too much respect to people who are straight-talking on the issue, right? That there are heroes, there are mujahideen, they don't fear anybody or whatever whatnot. No, no. How do you know? Maybe they are in a job, for example, where they can't get cancelled and so they're just taking advantage of that situation to get credit with the people, you know? Because you do get a lot of credit with the people when you speak like this, right? Now, um, so I don't want anybody to think that I'm some kind of hero speaking about openly, right? It's just that I don't care about being cancelled, that's all, yeah? (laughs) The real issue that I want you to understand is that this kind of talk, it can also go the other way and it creates a dehumanisation of these folks and that's not Islamic that's not Islamic we I know that I believe we all know that socially and mentally to equate yani, zina with lutiyah or this kind of action is like difficult it's disgusting at many levels but legally there's no comparison bro legally the zina is worse than that as, as a category there's no capital punishment between for example lesbians Right? So, right there, there is a discussion. There's discussion on uh, 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 male homosexuality and everything. But there's no discussion on a married man and a married woman, for example. You you get what I'm trying to say? How are you mentally lifting that to... You've got to calm your values down. You've got to keep everything in its right place. And so, this big man talk on the issue can then create doubts like you just heard there. Can I counsel a person bro, what, what is what is your job as a muslim we're meant to go out there and help people many muslims out there in this situation bro many muslims that just need honestly just someone to listen to them speak them out of the bakwas that they've been you know brought up with uh, to convince them that the friend that they that has convinced has led to their changing behavior isn't their friend for example you know this these things don't happen out of a vacuum bro right if they you don't have good comp company is everything in life I mean, I look at my uh, practicing, if it wasn't for company, I'm not here. I mean, I didn't get hit by uh, a bolt of lightning, and my parents didn't press the right button that turned me from uh, pseudo-practicing, which I was in their presence, to proper practicing, no. I didn't get yeah, any half-drowned like Yusuf Islam did, right? Mine was as boring, old-school as it gets. Tried, tested method, good company. Move with m- 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 the right people, and they introduced the right things, and if you practice your deen at a top proper level, then other people will notice Quality always comes to the top Always comes to the top And if you're a person who appreciates the little things And then you see that the only people that you're impressed are with the people that you're around Right? Then that, 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 that matters I I'll, I'll just want to say something, this is completely kind of left whatever But I just want to, if you're a cricket fan, this is a really good example What just happened in Pakistan with England winning the uh, first thing, obviously, if you don't like cricket, won't make no sense. But for those who do like cricket, it's a really interesting thing to observe. First of all, it was an unbelievable game, an unbelievable victory for anyone who understands cricket, OK, that, that being said in its place. Second, I want you to understand the, where that game is going. Test cricket is about to die, right? How can it survive when it's, as Americans say, you play for five days and there's no result at the end of it, yeah, OK? I mean, it's gonna die, especially now. T10 game is over and done within 90 minutes, bish bash bosh. Yeah, I need mean, 10 overs aside. Yeah, I mean, that's the where the action is. T20 World Cup that you just saw and think it was amazing entertainment. Three hours. Who cares about Test cricket? So it's in a bad run at the moment. Yeah, but unless you've got involved at the top end of any field, any field in which you put <coughs> your blood and guts into something, right? It can be your business it can be your study, it can be a research paper, it can be your children. When you see it go well, go it right, and you see your effort rewarded, there's no feeling like it in the world. What you saw with these five days were these people who absolutely left everything out on the field. The amount of effort that they put in to try to win that game, the England team, on a pitch that should never ever have given them the opportunity to win that game, and then to achieve it led to all of the most experienced players on that team who are, by the way, not random people, World Cup winners, greatest players in history, the greatest bowler in history, Anderson, right-hand England, without a doubt. Ben Stokes, everybody knows his name. He won the, the T20 World Cup for them. He won the one-day World Cup for them. He did the best test innings. And he's saying this is the best victory I've ever had. This is the best innings that i ever played. This is the best team that I've ever done. Why? Because of effort and uh, sacrifice. When he was interviewed, he said something very interesting He said, ultimately it was, it was the people that trusted me That we had to go and do this in the way that You have to basically go out and knock yourself out And you, you can't imagine that, ah, oh, but my teammate isn't You've just got to close your eyes off and say I'm going to give everything to the captain I'm going to give everything for that player The reason that that was able to happen is because they respect that person When you look at Ben Stokes as a leader, right, as your company, you know this guy is operating at the very extreme of his ability. If he lets us down, we don't mind, but we know that he tried his best. And you know this kind of mantra exists in all kind of efforts, whether it's sporting, whether it's your team, whatever team you support, football, cricket, whatever, whatnot, and you're rubbish, and you know you can't win anything. But the fans will will never forgive That you didn't put it all out there And when you do give a full effort The teams are supported regardless of the bad times That's why we understand that people respect those that actually practice properly Do things at the best level And it doesn't matter what the field is So I want you to understand that Muslims You, you have to practice your deen at an absolute 10 out of 10 level it will have an impact upon people around you that you can't quantify right now, but later we will realize. I'm telling you right now, I'm sitting here right now, and everything that has ever come good in my life last 25, 30 years only came because of a small group of people who completely shocked me at how diligent they were in their religion. And I was coming from an environment where I felt that I was at the highest level of intellectual This, that, blah, blah, blah And I was looking at these people And I was like, you know what? I'm impressed with this guy I had no commonality No wanting to be And that is what da'wah is based upon That's why every time you see all the hadith Khuluq is emphasised again and again and again And khuluq is not smiling Khuluq is character It's values It's your internal It's your khilqah That's why the word khuluq is from al-khalq What you're created upon Not the outside But the inside That comes out Which is values You know what I'm saying? Which is quality Yeah? Which is long-lasting uh, Nature of your Your beliefs and actions Putting it into practice um, Allah knows best Yeah? Not, 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 not ye- yes and no. The issue about, Yani, yeah, the amount of, of Najasa, and w- like we will probably discuss next week, probably. Yes, you can be sitting down anywhere on the line. You don't need to, to be sitting at the end or whatever, whatnot. That's also, Yani, yeah, again, m- mosques trying to make themselves uh, better. Thana, that's a massive question. Can't do that here. Uh, he wants to name his son Abraham. Uh, is it permissible? It is permissible. It's not good, but it's permissible to uh, to name a child Abraham. And, um, uh, yeah, Abraham is not, uh, yani, Abraham. We don't have a riwayat Abraham. We have Abraham and Abraham. We don't have Abraham. We don't have A. Do we? Any riwayat or qaraat have A? I don't think we have A. And that one is best. Yes.
1: LGBT and saying how accepting it is and it's okay, it's normal and he came back obviously disgusted and said, you know, this is what we spoke about and luckily he was open with me so I had to explain it. But I didn't want to have to explain it to him I didn't think at that age you'd be exposed to it. So where do we as parents draw the line? We can teach them, of course, and you know set their foundation straight but next it would be non-gender I don't know if you heard that about the school that you know, um, you know, like introducing non-gender, we you don't
0: actually as a male. So what's next? How do we? Where do we? Draw the no, your, your your question is for me is exactly the same as Hippa's question, and my answer to yours is exactly the same as Hippas, Right? Mm-hmm. It's it. There is, there is no set way. There is no line. It's you knowing your child, and uh, uh, you know, and everyone having a personal preference based upon the relationship that they have with their kids, and that's what you go with, okay. and. I myself would have preferred what happened to you. I don't like to pulling kids out of anything, right? I don't, I want them to see, I want them to know, I want them to realize, and then I want them to speak to me and be put in their right place, and that's it. But there's no set way. Everything and anything that works. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Jazakumullah khair, guys. I appreciate everyone coming out and for hanging around. Inshallah, next week we we'll are back in Sheerah. wa bihamdik. Kashhadu an la ilaha ant. Wa Allahumma wa atubu Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Cake, no cake online.